The explosion in cloud computing adoption, including compute, storage, connectivity, all the applications that you can think of, and security as well, has led to some finance leaders asking, what are we doing with this? Costs of public cloud IAAS and PAAS can quickly get out of control. Now, the spend variability and absence of capacity constraints, coupled with an increased user autonomy, requires new cost governance models that organizations do not currently possess. Now, in a recent commentary by Gartner analyst Lydia Leong, she said that for many organizations, there is no reasonable ROI on FinOps. But this doesn't mean, according to her, that organizations shouldn't manage their cloud finances. It just means that they don't need to manage their cloud finance in a way that's meaningfully different from the way that they're historically managing IT spend in their on-premises data center. In today's podcast for Future CIO, we are joined by Mr. Paul Whiten, Emerging Sales Specialist for Cloud Services for Asia Pacific for Red Hat, to shed light on FinOps, what it really means to us, both from the technology leader's perspective perspective, as well as finance. Paul, welcome to Podcast for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan. Happy to be here. What is FinOps? Why does it matter? And what problems is it meant to solve? Indeed. And seeing that clickbait headline from Gart, you know, I think it is important to have a clear definition of what FinOps is. So a high level view of it could be it's a cultural practice centered around teams taking ownership of their cloud costs and tracking spending as a key metric with the objective of maximizing business value. So in those terms, getting an ROI back may not be as important as opposed to tracking and managing your spend. Now, why would you go about this whole FinOps approach? I mean, we've had spreadsheets and budgeting for decades there. Well, current economic conditions, not positive. There's a lot of challenges and people are predicting recessions. The growth that we saw in IT during the pandemic is not continuing and organizations are tightening their belts, so to speak. Organizations, therefore, are looking closely at what they're spending, particularly what value they're getting out of their IT initiatives, especially when it comes to the cloud. The problems? Look, the core problem is not new, trying to measure the outcomes and project successes. So FinOps is about linking these initiatives and the associated spend to outcomes. Like any new technology, there's a lot of buzz around cloud, and cloud isn't new, but your containers, your Kubernetes, serverless, AI and machine learning, all available on the cloud. There's a lot of hype around this. And with that comes a lot of failed cloud implementations. They just didn't live up to expectations. The consumption, the on-demand nature of cloud computing can very quickly lead to overspend, as you mentioned, Alec, without the proper oversight. I've heard of customers burning through their annual cloud budget in a matter of a few months, which is not a good position to be in. When I speak to customers looking to implement Red Hat's cloud services, they're always looking to create a total cost of ownership. However, they're missing that next step of active or proactive cost management. So in implementing a FinOps framework where teams collaborate to make continuous data-driven decisions, decisions to optimize cost, that is what is gaining a lot of interest. If I could ask you then, so well, what is the composition of the FinOps team? And you already alluded to in terms of some of the responsibilities of the FinOps teams. Can you a little elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure, Alan. I think what can make this 
a challenging implementation to do it right is that non-IT, non-technical stakeholders should be involved in this FinOps. A lot of people in IT, being somewhat stereotypical here, shy away from engaging with other business functions. Yes, you have your engineering and operations teams, your product owners, and maybe a business executive as a sponsor. That's very similar to your typical IT project. But you would also need to loop in finance and procurement stakeholders, and even someone from the Office of Strategy. To be successful here then, you would need to have representation from each of these business functions and have them working together towards a common, mutually beneficial set of objectives. A big part of FinOps is the accountability for product teams, down to the developers and engineers, owning the costs of the decisions they make, from the architecture, the availability, and the services that they're using. This might be uncharted waters for a lot of teams who don't have that responsibility. Today, customers are well-versed in budgeting, building TCOs and business cases. However, this is typically a one-time or an annual exercise. There is no linkage between finance and day-to-day operations, and this is the gap that VinOps is addressing. One of the things that came out as part of this migration, mass migration to cloud, and of course, digital transformation is the adoption of DevOps instead of the traditional waterfall method for developing applications. Now, how do you see DevOps and FinOps supporting each other, or do they? So my background is in application lifecycle management. I chuckled when I first heard the term FinOps. I thought, is this DevOps for bean counters, right? <laughs> you know, there was Agile, there was DevOps, then there was DevSecOps, DevTestOps, AIOps, OpsOps, NoOps, whatever ops can they think of next. Now, I think it's important to understand what DevOps is. And the definition I use is it's the focus of IT teams delivering value to the business faster and safer. Yes, it's a very broad definition. Remember, DevOps is fundamentally a cultural practice. It's not a product you can sell, though many vendors have tried to sell a DevOps license. FinOps too is fundamentally a cultural practice. I see FinOps being a stream under the greater DevOps banner, supporting the key goal of delivering value to the stakeholders. Now, when we look at DevOps, we typically measure the key KPIs, which were made famous from the seminal book Accelerate by Nicole Fosgren, Jez Humble, Gene Kim. The four key metrics that that you should be tracking are deployment frequency, lead time, change failure rate, and time to restore. So DevOps is a way of measuring value, and FinOps is a way of associating a dollar value to the activities undertaken by the teams and tracking these activities. And this is how DevOps and FinOps are intertwined and they support each other. Now, you spoke about the composition of teams who needs to be inside a FinOps team. What about skills or experiences? What do we need in order for this FinOps team to be successful? Indeed. I think that most organizations who have embarked on their cloud journey would be ready to implement the FinOps practices. Yes, there are different cloud maturity models and stages. However, the financial implications should be tracked, whether you're in the infancy or very mature stages of your cloud journey. Experience-wise, most organizations would have all the pieces they need in place already. The financial aspects of most organizations are pretty mature and well-defined. So that ticks the finance and procurement boxes. Product management, 
senior executives always want to have more visibility into what's going on with their teams. And seconding people from the tech side shouldn't be too hard. Operations teams and developers, they like new and shiny tools and dashboards to play with, and they're always looking to optimize things. So where I see the challenges, though, is twofold. Firstly, is getting all these stakeholders together and agreeing on what to measure, which components of spend, what assumptions are we making, and so forth there. Then after figuring out the what, it's figuring out how to measure the what. This is probably the easier of the two, to be honest, as there are lots of tools out there that can be leveraged. A common approach, for example, in AWS would be using resource groups or tagging to attribute costs. However, most organizations in FinOps would want more granularity. They might need chargeback rules, some customization, or even a vendor-supported solution. Now, here's my product plug. I'm sorry, Alan, but you know I'm in charge of the Red Hat OpenShift cloud services. And as an application platform, it has built-in monitoring, resource management, resource segmentation. What this means is per-project visibility, and it even includes the governance rules to ensure teams adhere to their budgets. So I think the lesson or the takeaway here is there's a lot of readily available tooling that can assist teams in getting the how to measure in terms of getting started with their FinOps implementations. Is FinOps a one-time execution though? A build one and then that's it. I don't have to worry about them anymore. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a philosophy. It's a cultural movement. And like DevOps, FinOps takes a continuous improvement approach. You can break down FinOps into three interrelated phases. And I'm borrowing this from FinOps.org, which is a great resource for getting started. First, we have the inform stage, which focuses on getting visibility into your spend. Next, we have optimize. These are the different levers you can pull to optimize your cloud footprint. Putting this into a more real-world example, let's say we release a new application into production. When we do that, we would have to configure the monitoring and observability, things like resource utilization, peaks and slow periods, you know, the user journey, things like that. And we would monitor it for a period of, say, one to three months. That's the informed phase. After this, we've collected the data. We would then look at the implementation and right-size it. Right-sizing means have we allocated too much CPU and compute and memory to that particular application? Can we change the instance types and get a cheaper, more efficient one? Have we implemented auto-scaling? Have we used all the storage? Do we, have we allocated too much? Do we have the right type of storage and so forth? So this right-sizing exercise will lead to cost savings there. If we have a stable workload profile or a peaky there, which parts or how much can we reserve instance or put on a savings plan in terms of the infrastructure? That's an upfront payment of cloud resources, which is cheaper than the on-demand pricing there. So that really sums up the optimized phase. And more mature organizations would be doing this fine tuning of their systems at a more regular cadence. The third and final phase is operate, where you continuously evaluate business objective against the cost trends and realign course correct as needed. So it's not a one-time thing. It's a cyclic framework where adjustments are made using data-driven decisions from the cloud spending metrics. Say you've sold me on the idea that my organization needs to put together a FinOps team. Now, how do I sell the idea to management so that I can get started on? Well, apparently you don't use an ROI to sell it to management because there is none there. But my advice is to start immediately before you get that big bill from the hyperscaler. In seriousness, you'll need to build some sort of business case and share what the value is. It may not necessarily be a dollar's ROI, but I think having that autonomy or that responsibility, that shared ownership of your cloud usage is a good practice to get into within your organization. Now, keep in mind, implementing FinOps within your 
your organization. It's not free. It requires resources in terms of people, time, and some tooling as well. And you need the buy-in from multiple stakeholders from across the organization to participate and support it. As I mentioned before, the personas would need to get together and agree on the what we're going to measure and how we're going to measure it. Like the third way of DevOps, the culture of continuous experimentation and learning. With FinOps, you should start small and demonstrate value. We're moving into what I call the show me era, where stakeholders want to see solutions in action. Demonstrate how changing one variable, say the compute type, leads to X dollars of saving over a period of time. That will definitely get the buy-in of management there. Finally, look to what tooling is already out there to help you tell the FinOps story. Again, product plug, warning here, sponsored by Red Hat. Um, the OpenShift platform, we have an add-in module cost management service that gives you detailed cost insights across projects, as well as the underlying AWS EC2 and AWS services. So that's ready there to help you make your business case. To say, okay, I've got approval to go ahead with this. How do I make sure that the FinOps practice that we put together is able to sustainably meet the mandate that is proposed out there? Absolutely. If you look at the hype cycle, and that's another Gartner term there, everyone will be FinOps this and FinOps that, but then it will run out of steam. And next year, we'll be looking at no ops or whatever the new ops, XOps <laughs> will be, and we'll be having this conversation in a year's time. But I think to make FinOps sustainable and long-lasting in its impact, we need to ensure the value metrics align with the organization as a whole. Yes, we're fundamentally measuring the dollars and the spending, but how are our projects leading to the organizational goals, the business outcomes, whether it's increased revenue, market share, customer satisfaction? It needs to tie in with the bigger goals of the organization, yet be flexible enough to move and change as the organization moves as well. As I mentioned before, this is part of the third phase, the operate of FinOps, to ensure there is alignment with the cost trends and business objectives. At the operational level, ensure you have the right tooling in place, you agree on the what and the how. Once there is distrust in the tooling and metrics, then you're in trouble. Also, you need to ensure that the roles and responsibilities in your FinOps teams are clearly defined and that there is no scope creep. While engineers should own their budgets and make architecture decisions based on the costing, they should not be caught up in things like negotiating discounts or committed spend contracts. That's the domain of procurement. Something that you have to look at is also having a FinOps champion within a center of excellence model, where their role is to be key in ensuring the objectives of finance, business, and the tech teams align and stay aligned throughout the FinOps cycle. For long-term success, FinOps should be implemented as a shared accountability model, much like security, which has a central team, yet everyone remains responsible for their portion. Lastly, like any IT initiative, executive buy-in for FinOps and setting clear achievable goals will ensure that the organization adopts FinOps practices in the short and longer terms. Paul, thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you for having me, Alan. Look forward to talking in a year about what the next XOps is. That was Paul Whiten, Emerging Sales Specialist for Cloud Services for Asia-Pacific at Red Hat, on the topic of the what, why, when, and how of FinOps. You are listening to Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors.society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.